welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping product managers become product masters. Listen and get ready to take your career to the next level for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, and this is where you make your move from product manager to product master, gaining the influence, confidence, and answers you need to lead product. A new book by O'Reilly Press discusses product management for B2B software applications. It's titled, Building Products for the Enterprise. Now, much has been written about product management and the development of software products, but little that specifically addresses the characteristics of the B2B environment and what's special about that. The authors join this episode to discuss how product management is different from enterprise software products, including differences in consumers from B2B and B2C, the impact a direct sales team has, how the scale of the enterprise customers impacts our product work, the need for effective collaboration, and using organizational knowledge. The authors are Blair Reeves and Ben Gaines. Blair is a principal product manager at SaaS Software and has previously held senior roles at Demandware, now a Salesforce company, and IBM. Ben is a group product manager for Adobe Analytics and previously managed digital analytics at ESPN. You'll find a summary of our engaging discussion at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 175. Hope you enjoy it. So Blair and Ben, thank you for joining the Everyday Innovator podcast. Thanks for having us, Chad. And listeners, Everyday Innovators, we've just had some nice banter, and I'm looking forward to a, a fun discussion about building products for the enterprise, which is the title of your guy's book. Why don't we dive into that? Why did you write this book? Why did we write this book, Ben? <laughs> uh, well, I, I can tell you. I, I can tell you. Actually, I can tell you exactly why we wrote this book and, and the origin. Um, Blair and I uh, met up in New York City. We had dinner. We were really just shooting the breeze. And um, I don't know if this was something you had been thinking about doing, or if it was kind of a spur of the moment thing. But um, Blair pointed out that there's all of this writing that's taking place on product management, and very little of it is focused on, or none of it really is focused on building products for businesses. You hear a lot about consumer product management. There have been a lot of great uh, books that have come out recently, even just in the last couple of years on the topic. Um, but but we hadn't seen anyone really focused on um, the challenges that are unique to the enterprise software space. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as Blair said it, um, I was I was in, or as soon as he proposed it, you know, it was something that I had always, I always kind of wanted to write a book, but had never... Um, had someone to push me to do it, and Blair was that person. So, so there's an interesting story there. So, you guys, how did you meet then? So, it, it's actually so it's funny. So, uh, I, mean, I so at the time, I, I worked for a number of years at IBM um, with a product called Core Metrics, um, which was acquired by IBM, and I, I joined IBM right after the acquisition. And and uh, in the if you, I'm not sure how if you ever had any exposure to the web analytics wars. But Core Metrics and Omnichair, which later became Adobe Analytics, were like two of the big um, competitors in that space. And I, I mean to cast them as equals, though really Omnichair was the much larger, more sophisticated one, probably. And um, and so we were kind of competitors for a long time. And uh, it, but you know, everyone in the web analytics world all knows each other. It's and- a frenemy, it's a total frenemy thing. Like- <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Uh, and, and, you know, so, and so Ben and I actually got to know each other that way and, you know, it was fun. And uh, we did uh, start to, I think we started to share like, you know, articles we found on product management and stuff hmm. like that, mostly in the sense of like, you know, 
this sounds silly (laughs) (laughs) or like this, this is, this is, you know, does this have any connection with your job then? And then he said, no, does this have sound at all familiar to you? No. And, and exactly how how he says, you know, we, we talked about this for a while and, um, and then, you know, he happened to be in New York one night when I was there. And so we, we, we hung out, got some dinner. Um, I think Ben was sick or something like that. And, uh, and, and so that may, maybe that's why he agreed to write, write it. I, I was, I probably had my annual sinus infection at that. <laughs> oh, no. it, was, it was February, February of last year. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so then, I mean, we, we basically, and the pitch was basically, look, I mean, there's, just like Ben said, I mean, all the product management literature out there is very much geared towards consumer technology and a lot of it's startups, you know, like what to do with your 10 person, you know, team and you're the product manager, what do you do? And that just wasn't very applicable to anything we were doing. And so we decided, you know, there's, there isn't, there aren't a whole lot of resources out there for enterprise software product managers, and maybe we could do something about this. So we decided to we'd write something. And we figured uh, they were, the plan was to self-publish it on Amazon, like see, you know, see where it went and you know, put it out there. And one thing led to another, and O'Reilly got a hold of it, and they asked us if we'd be interested in publishing with O'Reilly, and we were like, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay, and Blair, you said something really interesting to me in there, that as you guys were sharing you know, work on, previous work on product management, what others have written, that some of this just sounds silly. And I think that's an uh, important point to realize that you have a contribution to make. My own progress, it was always like, wow, there's a lot of people that are really smart on innovation and product management and writing really good things. Then at some point that evolves and I go, huh, I don't think that's quite right. I think they kind of missed the point a little bit. When you start realizing that, I think that's a good time to jump in and say, I think I probably could make a contribution here that's needed because others are, are... have have a at least I have a different perspective on it, right? So something new that has been learned. Yeah, exactly. So good good information to share there. A little bit more about the enterprise. So I've been involved in building products for B two B software customers, and then information system products that are used inside a company. When you talk about the enterprise, what are you talking about? I mean, primarily it's 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 it, enterprise software, you know, software that businesses are buying to perform some sort of need that they have internally. So, you know, mostly yep. as opposed to like a consumer, you know, use case that that we're kind of more familiar with, right? Okay. Yeah, there might be probably a more sophisticated definition, but that that would be mine. I, I I feel like the angle we took was a was was really B two B software, not so much internal. I know. You know, I'm sure uh, we've all worked with internal product teams that are where the customer really is an internal, um, where the use case is an internal one. They're building a product for internal consumption. I think one of the fundamental tenets that we deal with throughout the book is the the idea, the concept of a direct sales force, and and that fact that that mm-hmm. is very different than um, 99.9% of consumer software, and um, and that that's something that you probably don't get if you're a product manager inside of an enterprise who's building for the enterprise that you're right. inside of because there's there's that concept of revenue and booking yep. things but um but that's interesting maybe our next book should be should be about uh the you know the it use case it product management i think there is definitely something there because as we're building information systems for our internal users there's still our customers and i think approaching yes. it as exactly. a product for them is very smart and we do a lot of the same things that we do in product management for external customers. Okay, so enterprise software, this is all the software that uh, companies use, like uh, uh, ERPs, enterprise relationship 
planning systems, the CRMs, the retail systems, inventory, HR, finance, all that. Great. So, so that's the kind of systems that you guys are dealing with. Let's talk about how you view developing those enterprise software different than what, what you kind of alluded to in just a moment ago about different kinds of product management, right? That you saw a need for this book to fill a gap here. What are the big differences that stand out? So I think that some of the big differences we, we zeroed in on the book are, are, are thus. Um, the first that Ben just alluded to is that, you know, in, a, in consumer software, um, you have lots of different kinds of business models, right? You can have, you know, famously, there's the advertising model. Uh, which everyone's getting in trouble for right now, and you know Google or Facebook mm. or Twitter or whatever. Uh, there are affiliate models. There are two-sided marketplaces. There are um, and there are direct sale models, but there are self-service and fairly low deal size models, right? Mm. So you think of like Spotify or Netflix or uh, even Uber or something of this sort, where you pay you know, a pretty small dollar amount in some sort of subscription business. Um, and all those businesses have user bases in the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions, et cetera. And that, that really makes that business work. Um, in the enterprise course, we have a much, much, much smaller customer base. You know, there are lots of very successful enterprise software products that have a couple of dozen customers, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or if you have a couple hundred customers or, you know, thousands, and in the case of, you know, some really big players, uh, you're a really big uh, enterprise software vendor. Uh, and those customers are paying you, you know, five-figure checks, six-figure, even seven-figure checks, and, and so forth. Um, and and those are sales cycles in the six, six to 12 months, plus, you know, give or take. Uh, they are relationships, relationships that go years and years long. Um, and, and so the business model that we work with enterprise is almost exclusively direct sale. And that is a really big difference that we have to deal with because as product managers, um, that means that we that means we have to you know work with sales and marketing, but also that changes how we have to design and plan and build and service and maintain uh, all that software uh, and and those products for customers and, and and how we interact with those customers and see what and ask and, and you know discover what they what they really need. Um, so that's one of the big ones. And uh, Ben, I think that the other one that we talked about was well, I guess I think there were three big differences, but one of the other big ones was customer problems and user problems, right? Yeah, I mean, there's this added um, sort of, I think it grows out of this idea that you're talking about with direct sales, that um, there's this concept of, of course, you you know, you want to solve user problems in the product, you want the product to be easy to use, easy for, um, you know, whatever role you're serving in the enterprise to get value out of your product. But there's also this buyer persona that's kind of looming out there that you, that may not actually ever log into the product. Right, they they may they may literally never log in, um, but they are tasked with buying the, these concepts of procurement um, teams in the enterprise who are charged with going and working with vendors and um, creating the best uh, value for their for their business um, and finding you know and, and making sure that that their vendors are uh, you know meeting all of the criteria that are are set forth by that by that uh, brand by that enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, which just adds a bunch of um, additional sort of, I, I think it adds um, richness and also complexity into the product management process because you have to, you have to think about things that the end user doesn't really care about, but that the business absolutely does. Security is a great example in, in many cases, I think like, you know, pe- people, there are people of course who care quite a bit about security, but there are plenty of people um 
in in uh, business who don't, but procurement and IT absolutely do. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to consider those things as an enterprise software product manager. You can't you can't uh, do there there can't be shortcuts around things like like security um, if you want to succeed. So that's that is definitely another big one that we that we touch on um, yeah, the, in the book. The difference between those roles. The, you talk about the user, and by that we mean the, the end user, the person actually using the system, yes. right? And the, in the yeah. B2B context, it is very different. If I'm buying a an app for my phone, spending my 99 cents or 4.99, whatever it is, and that embarrasses me, right? It's like, oh man, this was a stupid decision. This is such a dumb app. Why did I buy this? I'm the only one impacted. No one actually really knows. And so I'm not actually really embarrassed by this decision. In the business context, you have the... The problem you're trying to solve, so the end users need needs some solution. Mm-hmm. You have the sponsor, maybe, who's responsible for trying to get the, the budget, the funding for that. And you have these influencers along the way, and as you mentioned, procurement involved too. And all these people then become opportunities to be embarrassed if they make the wrong decision. Exactly. And, and the stakes are so much higher. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> the other I – mean, go, go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to say that one of the one of the the, the, the classic scenario we always run into is um, we have like an analyst uh, or a a business user who uses one of our products, and he or she, you know, is uh, you know maybe a junior member of that company, maybe even a mid level member of the company, uh, but they are not the ones who are signing a six figure check for the company right. on behalf of the company for this product. And that's going to be a C level a vice president, SVP, C level person, or whatever. Uh, just like Ben said, and so some companies have a whole procurement, you know, division for this sort of thing. Other ones just have, you know, people with the juice, right? right. <laughs> and the people with the juice are are never, well, I don't want to say never, right? But but it, you know, classically, they're not going to be the ones living in this product or using it on a day to day basis. But <clears throat> like Ben said, we have to address. They have a very different set of buying cool. criteria than does a user, and mm-hmm. so understanding, you know, in the in the consumer software industry you have the user is is king right i mean you know understanding what he or she needs and wants out of a product you know is, is all that de- determines whether your product is successful or not but there are lots of enterprise products where the user and their feelings just don't matter <laughs> you know well was, and that's go ahead sorry I, I was gonna say i was a user of lotus notes for years and, and let me tell you <laughs> no no one ever you know selected lotus notes out of a bake-off <laughs> right but it, but I'll tell you what, I, it, IBM makes a billion dollars a year on Lotus Notes. Still, make, it's amazing. Yeah, they make so much money. Because like, look, it, Lotus Notes is a workhorse. It is secure, it mm-hmm. is stable, and it like it just runs, right? And everyone hates it, but you know, it, it, it is what it is. And I think that speaks to the other aspect of like the, this idea of customer problems versus user problems. It's actually a really, it's a fascinating topic that has multiple facets that are worth going into with a business um, the, the, you, know, you, you talk about consumer apps and it being all about the user and with, with enterprise software, it's all about ROI. It's all about helping the, the customer, uh, grow their business either by, uh, cutting costs or by generating incremental revenue. Um, and, and that really changes the way that you think about things like customer satisfaction or customer value. When, when we go and talk to a customer to try to understand the challenges they're facing, they're these, these multinational, uh, global, you know, almost like macroeconomic problems in many cases that we're trying to solve in my, you know, in, I guess in both of our cases through analytics, through data and by helping, helping businesses be more informed. 
Um, that's a very different conversation than like the app on my phone that plays a um, an air horn sound, um, <laughs> which is like a very sort of, you know, it's a quirky, fun little app that, you know, I enjoy sometimes when I'm on podcasts, just and things like podcasts making a little air horn sound. But like, th- that's like, there's no ROI there. There's no, I mean, the ROI is like, I enjoy it. Um, or same with you know Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all these all these consumer apps that bring us some degree of joy or happiness or enrich our lives in some way. It's very different than a business trying to you know go from a ten million dollar business to a fifty million dollar business by using data or mm-hmm. um, you know having a, a competitive advantage in how they implement a CRM system or or ERP or whatever it is. Right, or responding to compliance. They have a compliance need that the regulatory yeah. they must address, and they need a, exactly. a system that does that for them. All kinds of needs there. Okay, so definitely a difference in the how we think about the customer and then that B2B enterprise sell, many more buying roles that are involved and that our product, as product managers, we need to think about meeting their needs along the way. We'll get back to the discussion in just a minute. This episode of The Everyday Innovator is brought to you by Product Innovation Educators, your one place for online training to make the move from product manager to product master. When you enroll in one of our online courses, it's like having Chad McAllister as your personal coach. In each course, you get video lessons, added resources, and a private community for collaboration with other product managers and innovators. And, of course, you get direct access to Chad, who will answer your questions and get you heading in the right direction. Past students tell us the concepts, practices, and tools are valuable, but the real benefits they gain are being more confident, increasing their influence in their organization, and generating greater success for themselves and their company. There are four levels of training to become a product master. Find your level now. Get started by going to theeverydayinnovator.com forward slash master. You're one place to become a product master theeverydayinnovator.com forward slash master. Don't wait. Get started now. Another topic that you brought up in the book too is effective collaboration as being kind of a difference that you saw. What does that even mean? Tell, tell us about effective collaboration. My, my take on that would be that in any product manager, whether you're in consumer or enterprise, has to collaborate with lots of different stakeholders throughout the company, Right. In my experience, though, I mean, in enterprise, we, we just have more. Uh, and what I mean by that is uh, we, you know, we have obviously there's engineering and there's design and there is, uh, you know, maybe, maybe finance or marketing or something like that. We, we deal a lot more, I think, with, with marketing and sales. Um, you know, in, in a lot of consumer businesses, and I don't want to paint too broad a brush because you can, you can find exceptions to this, right? Um, but in a lot of consumer software businesses, Product management doesn't really deal with sales until you're at a very senior level, um, especially if you're if you're if you're like an advertising business, right? Because mm-hmm. that's just a very different kind of situation. Um, so we have a lot of people, to, you know, a lot of different stakeholders to 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 work with. If you're at a large company uh, with many different product portfolios, you know, the level of complexity just increases exponentially in, in, in a lot of ways. And so learning how to collaborate differently with different stakeholders in the organization, especially if you're at a large company, um, is, is one of the really big challenges for any enterprise PM. And uh, we have a whole section in the book around organizational knowledge, which is one of the three big buckets that we kind of set up as our you know, must-haves uh, for you know, product manager savoir-faire. Um, and you know, learning how your company really works, understanding how sales 
really works at your company because we are you know, a sales organization uh, and, and understanding how we create business value that way. So I should ask, how then do we actually learn about how your company works? And I, I want to hold that just a, on, a, on a moment. On the effective collaboration, when you're talking earlier about the market size in the enterprise space, you know, the, the number of customers is fewer and there are much larger dollar values typically. And I think that itself changes this atmosphere of collaboration. It, it, every deal seems to matter more, right? Well, ben, ben, has a whole, ben has a lot, of, a lot to say about uh, total addressable market. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I don't even, I, I guess I somehow became the total addressable market guy among the two of us. But um, I don't even know if it's a total addressable market thing as much as it is just the fact that um, you do have these, I mean, look, let's say, you know, your hypothetical app that you mentioned, Chad, five, five bucks that you download, mm-hmm. uh, that's something that scales, um, you know, infinitely, potentially, right? You can, as many people as want that app can just go get it whenever they want. Um, we, you know, in, when, in enterprise software, you have these, you have sales reps and you have customer success managers and you have sales engineers or solution consultants or whatever your company calls them that help businesses implement the solution or, or see the value at during the pre-sales process. And you have POC teams and all these, all these stakeholders who are trying to make this thing go um, from a sales and go to market perspective. And you have, you know, various teams in product, in product marketing and marketing um, that are um, that all have kind of a say, like they have, they bring some clout to the table um, when it comes to figuring out what you're going to go do um, in, a, in a way that I think is very different than, um, than when you're, you know, if you're a, if you're a, a product management, uh, if you're in product management for a consumer application, a consumer software, um, you know, the way that you go and, and figure out what to build and figure out what that thing needs to do and what problem it's solving and how you're going to go to market with it is, is, it's just different. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot more on, um, on you to kind of, uh, you know, to derive from very different kinds of data sets from, yeah. from um, larger quantitative data sets um, rather than, you know, we, we have the benefit in, I think it's a benefit. I mean, I, I enjoy it. I don't know whether it, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if there's anyone who studied whether it actually produces um, better software than the consumer model, but I enjoy the fact that, um, with a smaller number of, of customers, with a you know with a set of brands that you can go work with, you can we can go. I can go to New York City and spend a week just sitting with people who are using our product um, at some of the largest brands in the world and um, learn from them. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know you can do that, of course, with with consumer software. But um, I feel like it's easier in some ways with. Um, enterprise software to figure out the personas, to figure out what they're trying to do, to see the patterns maybe in the problems that you're trying to solve. Whereas mm-hmm. with consumer, it can be a little bit more. Um, uh, what's the word? I mean, it depends on depends on the software that we're talking about. Uh, but it can be it can be harder, I think, to to settle on what you're trying to do right. when you've got a hundred thousand users uh, who are a hundred thousand customers, effectively, who are users of your application and who all might want something. Yeah, I, I feel like in enterprise, like we have a, a much less diversity of, of customer, right? I mean, in the sense that our customers are business, business users of this persona or that persona or this persona with use cases that, you know, are defined and, and, and constrained a lot by the industry that they're in, 
right? So people yeah, in yeah, media. But, but Blair, the, the funny thing about that, and I know you've seen this too, is all those big customers, they all think they're unique and their problems are different. Oh, yeah. Is sure, that amazing? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> if I, I mean, if I had a dollar for everyone who said, well, we're really, you know, we're really unique. There's actually, we actually don't see any competition. Uh, we're we have the only that. company doing what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and in, in consumer, there's almost more of a, like a psychographic or anthropological you know, element to your, your, your user personas that um, I, I think is a little bit less prevalent on the enterprise side because, as Ben said, on, on the enterprise side, like our, we have a job to do. You know, the comp- the, 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 um, so ben, you mentioned something that, that Christensen once said, which is that the company hires your product to, to solve a problem, right? right? Um, I, he's the the whole premise of his latest book, actually, I think, Compete, yeah. competing against luck. I, yep. I believe it's called. I hope I got that right. And, and I like that idea because uh, because you know that that really constrains the problem space that our products and enterprise are, are are hired to do, as opposed to, gosh, in consumer. I mean, you have obviously you have a you have a use case you're trying to fill, um, but the 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 range, the variability of those use cases are probably a lot greater than they are for us. Really good insights. And, and Ben, as you were talking through all those roles, you know, like the sales engineer and the customer service follow-up person and the account manager and everyone else that's involved, that also has to do with, before the point you guys were making about effective collaboration, that we need to understand those perspectives because those are all perspectives on the customer. They, they have their own customer insights, and it's more of this voice of the customer uh, research for us. Yeah, I was going to, I mean, that's, that is such an important point, actually. If you think about the customer journey, Think about the customer journey for enterprise software and how many people are involved in making a sale. Mm-hmm. You know, I can just, you know, speaking for what I've seen, you know, where, where I've worked um, and from talking to, to friends like Blair and others at other, um, at other enterprise software firms, you've got the sales rep, you've got, I mentioned the, the sales engineer, they're involved up front. You've got, you've got the demand gen creating the leads. You've got, you know, they're, they're qualifying leads. Um, in some cases, you've got uh, you know what what we call account development managers up front who are kind of you know uh, reaching out to those leads or even cold calling. In some cases, you've got um, you know from there you bring in maybe consultants. You've got account managers. You've got all of these people, and that's just really up front in in many cases. Um, you know, and and there are there are certainly uh, models where um, you know where some of those roles don't exist for for whatever reason. Um, but it's just, it's a massive, it can be a massive undertaking, especially, you know, I think probably the, the bigger the deal, um, you know, you, Blair mentioned, you know, successful enterprise software firms that have a few dozen customers, you know, and, and who, you know, pr- probably do eight figure deals um, with those, with those customers, the sheer number of people involved, you've got teams of 50 probably that are, are involved in helping get that customer up and running and making right. sure they're successful and getting value and recognizing that value. It's very different than um, you know going and 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 signing up for a consumer app uh, consumer software application. Yep, and they're long term relationships. Yes, right. <laughs> you sure hope so. Yeah, that's right, or you don't stay in business very long. I want to go back to this topic of organizational knowledge that you brought up. What, what's your advice for helping product managers figure out how their company really works? Who who is it they should be collaborating with? Well, I think the first step is uh, you, you have to read our book, but the second <laughs> step. <laughs> <laughs> the second, that's, I mean, that's dirty. Don't don't, don't do it like that, Blair. <laughs> the um, I mean, there there are, obviously a lot of this is, is contextual, right? I mean, you know, different companies work in different ways, and you have to and you have to do that. Um, 
one thing that I, I think is, is, is useful is obviously, you know, after meeting, you know, who these people are, you know, I think you have to understand for, as a product manager, what does um, this function need from product, right? Well, what is, what is the marketing team or engineering or, you know, this sales team or that sales team or another, even another product portfolio team, mm-hmm. what do they need from product management? Um, and and what, 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 do they th- what do they know they need? What do they don't know yet that they need? Um, because you know, one of the, one of the things that constrains product managers almost everywhere is that we're, we're not actually in charge of anybody, <laughs> you know, like we have to lead through influence and we have to lead through, um, you know, being, you know, providing value to other teams. And, uh, the only way to do that is to do something that, you know, is to, 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 to you know, deliver that value in a way that they are, is recognizable by, by another team that does a completely, maybe a completely different function. Mm-hmm. Um, so understanding what you know, those different stakeholders need from product uh, in the first place uh, within the context of your market and your company and your, the other teams in, in, you know, in your function. Um, I think that's a, a good place to start. And to, to Blair's point, I think the, those roles, those internal stakeholders that you need to understand are going to find you as the product manager in, in the enterprise. Sales is going to reach out. Marketing is going to ask you how um, how to talk about a feature that you're working on. So it's, it's not so much that you need to seek them out. If I were, on the other hand, uh, if I were starting fresh, uh, you know, the new company in product management and wanted to understand how that company worked, the first thing I would do, and I would, I would recommend this because it's something you can do practically from day one is go talk to go interview a longtime customer or even actually a recent customer, go interview a customer and talk about that customer journey, how they, uh, became aware of the of the product that they bought, how they engaged with the sales team, who was involved from uh, from your company's side, what roles people play today now that they're implemented and up and running, um, who they engage with when they have questions or concerns. Um, all of that will, I think, paint a picture of how your company is set up to make customers successful. And those are the those are the roles that I think you want to be most dialed into. Those are the those are the stakeholders internally that you're going to want to stay closest to, both so they can teach you what's going on with your customer base and with your industry from their perspective, but also so that you can communicate out to them um, things that you're doing, things that you know uh, as you uh, are developing the product, as you're as you're helping to solve customer problems, making sure that they're they're uh, keyed in to the things that are are going to be coming out uh, and, and into their customers' hands. So that's that's where I would start. That's good advice. It's also good advice for anyone that's wanting to interview for a product management job with a company is to take the initiative to, to do some customer interviews beforehand and walk in having some information about what that experience is like. So yeah, I if you think have that would that set you apart. If you're, if you're in a role where you can do that, that is, a, that is probably, I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever talked to anyone who's done that, who's, who's interviewed, I haven't interviewed that many uh, product management candidates in my day. Uh, who haven't been product managers before, but I, that is tremendous advice, Chad. That's like if you if you're in a role where you can do that and you want to be a product manager, do it. Uh, and that's it. And, and then and then yeah, introduce sure. product. Yep. Yep. So you heard it here, guys. If any of the everyday innovators want to try that out and put it in practice, please uh, send me an email. Let me know how that worked. I think that would set you apart. It's similar advice I gave someone else recently, and she did a very good job of researching the organization and in the process was about able to double her salary with the uh, the new Ooh. organization. So I need to spend more time with you with the chat. <laughs> <Trying to laughs> <make yourself. laughs> 
Um, this is excellent. Really good information from both of you. Appreciate you writing the book. It's a great contribution, building products for the enterprise. As listeners know, I love a good quote. What do you have for us? I'll, I'll go first. This one, this may be a cliche in product management, so hopefully your your listeners don't roll their eyes when they hear when they hear this. But uh, it's Winston Churchill, um, and and he said, "You will never reach your destination if you stop and throw stones at every dog that barks." Uh, and to give a little bit of commentary on this as it relates to product management, I think it's easy as product managers to get distracted. Um, in consumer, you know, I think about every time, uh, you know, on Twitter and Facebook are, are maybe bad examples because they are so big, but, um, you know, they'll make a change. Twitter will make a minor change, like the time they switched from, um, what was it, from favorites to likes or likes to favorites. I can't remember what it, I can't remember what the change was. And like people went ballistic. Um, and you can't back down on things. You can't get distracted uh, by, you know, that in that case, the, the users of the app were the dogs that were barking. And whatever Twitter is trying to do, and don't ask me, Blair is actually the expert among us on on uh, kind of theories around Twitter's product strategy. But um, <laughs> no, no one on God's green earth knows Twitter's product <laughs> strategy. <laughs> the I'm not I'm not going to touch that. But you know, it would have been easy probably to get distracted, uh, or it's easy to get distracted by you know by people demanding features. Um, and this is true as much in the enterprise. You know, it's it's easy to to you know you've got a uh, you know, a, a, a $10 million deal and they're demanding feature X. And, um, you know, I, I think I also don't want to be so prescriptive and say that it never makes sense to do those things. Every business has its own challenges and its needs for cash flow and, and what, whatever. I mean, it's, that's something you're going to, going to, going to figure out, but be deliberate about it. Don't, um, don't let your product strategy be determined by who is barking the loudest right. um, all the time. You will end up with a Franken product and um, and your users will will end up hating it. And that's an excellent one. And don't get distracted, right? There's, there's always those distractors telling you why something isn't going to work, why your brilliant idea is terrible. Sometimes we just have to move on. So yep, you got to do you. Very, very good quote. Blair, did you have one that you were going to share too? I do, and, and mine is actually uh, on a fairly similar in a similar vein, and it's it's my personal philosophy as well as applied to uh, innovation. And that is, uh, ask forgiveness, not permission, uh, because <laughs> I, I'm sure you've had I'm sure you had that before, uh, but you know I, I take that to heart in, in a big way because um, as applied to product management and applied to innovation, I mean, mm-hmm. no one is ever going to give you permission to blow up a business model. Or to you know disrupt a <clears throat> a product or a way of doing things or or anything like that you know people thought this that that you know cloud software was was never going to go anywhere you know and that it was uh, it was never going to work for enterprises and it's a pipe dream and you're wasting your time on it and, and all this other stuff um, people never thought that digital analytics would ever be applied to marketing in a really rigorous way or that it would never you know this whole digital marketing thing is you know it's good as a sideshow. It doesn't doesn't really work. You know, the ROI isn't there. Blah blah blah. And then Amazon came along, ate their lunch, and and all. And, you know, there, you can name any number of examples. But um, w- whenever I'm thinking about, you know, a hard problem that you know, uh, you know, I, I, I catch myself finding thinking of getting permission to do something like that, um, or or you know, thinking about how a product or a, or a system could work. Um, that's kind of what I, I fall back on. I think about, you know, who's going to give you permission to do that? And, and whose interest is it to not give you permission to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I find that very, uh, very liberating in a, in a lot of different ways. 
it's challenging as product managers and innovators. And as product managers, we are innovators. We do something new often. And uh, if we're running around asking for permission to do something new and different, we're going to get stuck in our job and not make any progress. So that, let's say if you don't, a good if perspective. If you somebody off, you're probably not doing your job very well. Yeah, <laughs> There's something to be said about that for sure. Great. Well, thank you for sharing the quotes. How can listeners get uh, their hands on your book? There's so many more topics that we did not explore that I think are applicable to B2B environments beyond just enterprise software, right? Anyone selling into the B2B and providing products for them. So some good insights there. Tell us how we can get a hold of the book. And if people want to follow up with you, make, make, reach out to you. How do they do that? Well, so the book is uh, Building Products for the Enterprise. You can find it on Amazon. Uh, we, the, we actually have a, a website for the book. It's called buildingforbusiness.com. And, uh, and you can learn all bit more. There's a sample chapter of the book actually at that website, uh, as well as some other, other cool resources. You can, you can uh, go there to, to check it out. Excellent. So buildingforbusiness.com. That's a place people should go to find the information on the book and find out more information about you guys. Exactly. Thanks for sharing that one more time, buildingforbusiness.com. Blair, Ben, I appreciate you taking time for this. I appreciate you writing the book and sharing your experience and knowledge with product managers and sharing this now over the podcast. Well, thanks for having us. This this has been awesome. Thanks for having us, Chad. Thanks for listening. Find the summary of the discussion with Blair and Ben at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 175. Keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit our blog at theeverydayinnovator.com.